Good morning, New Life Downtown, and Merry Christmas. It's the third day of Christmas. The three calling hens, which, strangely enough, if you didn't know, some equate to faith, hope, and love. You know, two turtle doves is the Old and New Testament, partridge in a pear tree, Jesus on the cross. So if you didn't know there was meaning behind it all, there is. Good morning, Merry Christmas. We're gonna start today with our readings. The first reading, Old Testament, is found in Exodus 34, verses six through seven. I'm reading out of the ESV. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. The word of the Lord. The New Testament reading is found in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. This is from the CEB. You are saved by God's grace because of your faith. This salvation is God's gift. It's not something you possessed. It's not something you did that you can be proud of. Instead, we are God's accomplishment, created in Christ Jesus to do good things. God planned for these good things to be the way that we live our lives. The word of the Lord. And if you are able to, please stand with me right there in your homes for the gospel reading today found in John 1, 14 through 17. The word became flesh and made his home among us. We have seen his glory, glory like that of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified about him. This is John the Baptist there, crying out, this is the one of whom I said, he who comes after me is greater than me because he existed before me. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. As the law was given through Moses, so grace and truth came into being through Jesus Christ, the gospel of our Lord Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the Christmas tide, for the enduring celebration that we mark in this season of the birth of Christ, your grand and great gift to us. Help us be receptive to you in this time as we open up your word, that we would be more transformed to be like who you are and united with who you are in spirit and unity to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it is Christmas, and I want to start by giving everybody a gift, all right? A trophy. I know we knock participation awards. They're, they're lame. It's the thing that every kid gets just so they don't feel bad. But if ever there was a year that you participated in and deserved an award just for finishing, 2020 feels like it's that year. So from us, from us to you, congratulations, you participated, you got to the end, it's almost over. And may the Lord grant a much more healthy and less socially distanced 2021. Can't wait to be back with you all next week. We're opening up the word and we're talking about gifts, not just a gift of a participation award, which I hope you enjoy, at least tongue in cheek, my sense of humor, but also the gift that is the idea of grace and that that grace is God's favored towards us. We're gonna talk about grace. It's, it's the translation, it's favor, it's a gift. Grace is the thing that makes heavy loads feel lighter and suffocating circumstances feel like we can catch our breath. And talking about 2021, or 2020 and giving you a participation award for it, it feels like that's about right because if we looked back, there is currently or previously in this year just a little bit more need for grace. We just need a little bit more of it. We need, we just need to be able to breathe a bit lighter. We need to have the load be a bit less on our shoulders. 
And we need grace. And we need it from God, but we also need it from one another. Beloved, we need grace. We, we just, we need to lighten each other's load. So we're going to jump in and talk about what this thing is. I think sometimes we use this idea of grace of just give them a little grace. Just give them, just, just be a little bit kinder. It's almost this synonymous with if you're polite, then you can be a gracious person too. You might, you might loathe whatever that thing is or what they're doing or who they are in your hearts, but at least you're gracious. You were so gracious with your response. You could have ripped their heads off with the way that you got angry, but you didn't. You were nice. Good job. It's almost like the tinsel on the tree. It doesn't really matter what the tree is. It's just, it's sparkling. That's fine. That's good enough, right? But, but grace in the Bible is far weightier. It's far greater. It's far grander than this. And I want us to look at Old Testament, New Testament, this idea for what the word is for grace, and then looking at how we are gifted grace, in this season at Christmas, and specifically how that appears in the person of Jesus and his birth, and then of how we can be the gifts of grace to one another and to the whole world. So to start, to be gifted grace is to be given God's favor. This, this is the theme that goes through the entirety of the, of the scriptures, New Testament, Old Testament. To be gifted grace, God's grace, to be given this is to be gifted God's favor. In the Old Testament, we see the story, the, the Hebrew words, and Jason Jackson, go ahead and Check my pronunciation right now. I'm waiting for your text, I'm sure. Hanun and Chin. This is the Hebrew word, and it's often translated the idea of favor. And in and, and the Old Testament, there's a couple of stories that really epitomize this. In Genesis 33, it's when Jacob and Esau are kind of being reunited. Jacob stole the birthright. He fled. He went. He married. He, he built up. And he's coming back to his brother, which he pretty much just stabbed in the back in a way. And, and he doesn't know how it's going to go. He doesn't know how this reunion is going to happen. If Esau has all the right to be upset and angry and hold a grudge against him. And so he doesn't know how it's going to go. And so he started sinning and he's sending gifts ahead of him. In Genesis 33, starting verse 10, Jacob said to Esau, that is, No, please, if I have found favor, favor, that's that Hebrew word, in your sight, then accept my present from my hand. For I have seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God, and you have accepted me. Please accept my blessing that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously, it's kind of a brother-sister word, chanin, with me and because I have enough. Thus he urged him and he took it. This idea of grace, the chin, the chanin, it's this notion of if I have found favor with you, then show grace to me. It's this favor and favor, gift and gift, reception and reception. And at a point where relationally Esau could have turned his back on the brother because of a grudge that was held, because of wrong done to him. He ended up extending grace and showing favor and giving a gift of forgiveness. This idea shows up again uh, in the story of Jonah. I mean, it's all throughout the New Testament, but in Jonah chapter 4. So, so Jonah is this reluctant prophet through the entire, the entire story. And he doesn't want to go to Nineveh. The whale fish thing happens. He gets spit up on the land. He reluctantly goes. He gives them some message. And the whole of the Ninevite city and the king end up repenting. And God relents from destruction. And Jonah, instead of rejoicing in God's great favor and mercy and forgiveness and grace, he goes outside of the city hard-hearted and pretty ticked off. And this is what he said, Oh Lord, and he's accusing God right here. I love this. Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God, and merciful slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, 
relenting from disaster. He's quoting that, that Exodus verse that we read in our reading this morning. It's this idea of, God, I knew that you were hin, that you were hinen, that you were gracious, that you showed favor to those who did not deserve it, even these Ninevites. And this story continues in the New Testament, and we get the word charis. And, and it's this idea of the charis, charismata, the gifts of the Spirit, or just a gift, that God's favor is the gift to us through the person of Jesus. And that, that gift, it, it, it's, it's the favor of God. And that favor is the grace of God. It's, it's the expression and how they're all intermingled. So to be gifted grace is to be given God's favor. But here's the rock and the hard place. Grace is God's favor, but that gift is not force. Rather, it has to be openly received. And, and for a lot of us, especially in 2020, this is a year we're receiving from somebody else. We've put up a lot of defenses because we've been yelled at a lot, because we've been accused a lot, because we're either complacent or implicit in whatever it is. Because this is a year where we've, we've been forced, whether it's politics or masks or a, a myriad of other issues, to take a side. We're supposed to say something, we're supposed to take a stand, which then makes us rivals with somebody else. And, and in a place where maybe unity in Christ would have presided, instead it's kind of forced us to say, now I have to be defensive because now I feel like we're being forced. You have to be on one side or the other. You gotta be for me or with me. Only a Sith deals in absolutes, right? And, and, and it's, it's, it's caused us to, to kind of close up. And so this idea of, well, can't you give and receive grace becomes this really difficult thing because our hearts aren't open. They're not open, not just to people who completely agree with us. That might be true. They're not open to the other, to the person who disagrees, to the person who's the, on the other side, to the person who's not like us, who doesn't think like us, who doesn't believe like us in the church, out of the church. We're not as open as we were because it's being pushed on us. So in a year and in a celebration and Christmas of grace, of God's favor gifted to us, I wanna ask the question, how do we open our hearts back up? How do we get to a point where we can, we can soften up a little bit or, or we, can, we can let down our walls and our defenses so that we as people cannot just connect with one another, but can be connected with God or be a conduit of God's grace to others. And that's where we're going today. We close our hearts because of a sense that we need to self-rely or self-protect. And, 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 and that's where it starts. It's, it's just we need to self-rely, we need to self-protect. I can't trust what's going on here. This situation feels unsafe, so I'm gonna draw back and I'm gonna get guarded and I'm gonna get defensive. And, and uh, we're two days post-Christmas now. It's the third day of Christmas. It's Christmas day. There might've been a family gathering, a family reunion. There might've been that in-law. There might've been that whatever, that you were put back in that room. And there's so much history and disagreement. And it's like the, the don't bring up politics at Christmas just didn't, didn't work. Or don't bring up those controversies that didn't work. Because you just know, and you walk into that circumstance not feeling safe. And because you don't feel safe, you don't feel open and you get guarded and you get closed off. Or it's the, it's the, the whole year of politics. It's the whole year of, of COVID. It's the whole year of, of, of societal, cultural tension that we've experienced on so many levels. And, and you're closed off. So how do we come back to a place that we can start being open again? And I wanna suggest this, that walls come down subversively with meekness, not forcefully with might. 
Those defenses that we've set up, they don't come down because we keep butting heads and getting stronger. If only we can argue one more time, then they would see what I mean and they would agree with me. If only we can just make that one more tweet, that one more statement, then it might turn someone else. If only we can get a little stronger and show a little bit more flex and butt heads that much more, well, then I would win. Beloved, walls in our hearts don't come down forcefully with might. It's not like if I can just get a stronger argument and be more forceful and be, and be more mighty in this case, then I would crush them. It's not what we're going for. Walls come down subversively with meekness. Not going high, going low, being the servant of all. Not being right, but being kind. Isn't it amazing? I, this is just a sidebar. The thing that leads us to repentance is not God's correctness, it's God's kindness. The walls come down subversively with meekness, not forcefully with might. I want to look at a couple of things and how to, how to, how to soften these hearts that close. Because hearts begin to open when we give a gracious gift of three things I want to point out. Vulnerability over self-strength. Meaning you're allowing yourself to admit weaknesses, to admit insecurities, to admit really sensitive spots in your heart instead of having to be self-strength, strong. I'm reliant on myself. I can do this, I can muscle through. You can allow yourself to be vulnerable. Number two is understanding over self-righteousness. Not that I have to be right, but that I'm looking not for my right, but can you add understanding? Can you tell me your story? Can you help me understand what's going on? That I can respond, not with what I know right now, but with further knowledge, because you're bringing me into understanding. Number three, empathy over self-centeredness. That if we can get to a point where we're connecting with the experience and the emotion of someone else, instead of what is right or what is good being based on my self-experience, self-centeredness, that these are the way that we subvert the walls of defensiveness that we put up. We come with meekness and humility and that starts softening our hearts so that the grace of the season, this gift of God's favor, wouldn't meet a brick wall and a dead end. It would start softening hearts to meet heart to heart, God's love to our hearts. All right, we're gonna go step by step through these. First one, vulnerability. Vulnerability opens up defensiveness. If there's ever married couples out there, friends, best friends, family members, you, you get this, but I'm gonna use marriage as an example because I, I think that's where I've seen this most often. Vulnerability opens us up from defensiveness because what ends up happening in, in, in our desire to be right or our guarding against feeling adverse things is we end up putting up walls of defensiveness. So, so some, track with me here. Someone, someone, the other person, they end up saying or doing something that really triggers some really sensitive spot in our heart. And, and because of that, we put up a wall. And this thing could be a wound. It could be something from the past that was said or done that we're still carrying with us. It could be a lie. You're not good enough. You're not valuable enough. You'll never be loved. These things that the enemy, <laughs> kind of the, the, the chief of lies, the, the, chief, the father liar, that, that he comes and keeps on bringing these lies and they, they mess with our hearts. And so it could be that. And then it's just, oh, that's poking at that sensitive spot again. And I, get it out, get it out. Defensive wall. It could be 
being asked repeatedly to act contrary to your personality, to the way that God designed you. Keep acting differently. You're just, you're just rubbing against me because your values are different or your, your energy is different or your social capacities, whatever it is. You're asking me to act differently. Whatever it is, we start putting up these defensive walls, feeling unloved, feeling unseen, feeling rejected, feeling disrespected, feeling unvalued. There's so many things. We hear that and we, oh! And the way to get around that, because what ends up happening, and this is what I experienced in our marriage, and we all have this, so it's not like I'm unique or you're unique to it, we all experience this. That button gets pushed and then the defensive walls go up. And we're, we're arguing out of defensive walls to defensive wall and we're butting heads like a bunch of Colorado bighorn sheep. We're just going at it. And no longer heart to heart, we're, we're, we're fist to fist, we're fighting. The way to get under that, the way to subvert it, because we've seen this, I've seen this in our marriage, we keep on going at each other and it keeps on building and building and building and it, it doesn't actually work. It just builds until the point we blow up and then we leave mad and then what do we do there? Because we said and did things we probably didn't totally mean and wouldn't have said in a more logical moment. Go subversive, go vulnerable. Because in that moment where you're building up and you're building up, if you take a break, if you, if you take a moment and start thinking, what is going on? Why am I being so defensive? And this could be on your, your, your you know, social media space. This could be in the public sphere. Why, why do I feel so agitated and defensive against the statement of that other person, that other party, that other politic, whatever it is? And you go, and you go personal and you start seeing, ah, oh, man, it's because I had a violated value. <sighs> man, it's because it was pushing a, a, a button of unseen or uncared for, unloved, disrespected, oh man. And the moment of risk, but the power of change happens when we allow ourselves to not have to keep building up walls of defense, but to go vulnerable and say, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I, I just realized when that happened or when that, when that was said, I ended up feeling really disrespected and unseen. And, and I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of raging and acting out of that. I'm, I'm just, I'm, Wow. Vulnerability opens us up from defensiveness. It gives us opportunity to start heading towards connection. Next one, understanding over self-righteousness elicits grace. Understanding elicits grace. And this is all this idea that God's grace has been given to us in the gift of Jesus. His favor has shown upon us in salvation through Jesus. That gift is given to us at Christmas, but sometimes we have this idea of we know what's right or we know what's going on or we're just seeing it from our one perspective and so we don't have understanding and therefore we, we are not willing to give grace and so therefore somebody else isn't experiencing grace, therefore we haven't prepared the way for grace and God's grace to enter into their lives. Story, we have some dear friends whose son, when he was younger, had a really hard time, uh, a hard time keeping his emotions in check and self-regulating and he would just kind of have meltdowns and blow up. This could happen on an airplane, I kid you not. It could happen in, in the mall. And, and people would walk by, parents would walk by, they'd be stuck on the plane and they would see this kid and, and the judgment would start just getting flung because it was, this, it was the looks and sometimes the statements of, wow, keep your kid in line, what are you doing? You must be some sort of wrong because this obviously isn't right. And what are you, you are, I am right and you are wrong, I am better than and you are less than, and I, I, I judge. And we judge without understanding of the situation because 
And not that people had to stop and ask, but in that moment, what they didn't understand was that he had high-functioning autism. He was on the spectrum. And self-regulation was a really, really hard-fought battle. And when he was young, it just wasn't there. And this idea that as soon as you hear that, wow, 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 that kid's blown down. That parent better keep their kid under control. All of a sudden you understand he's on the autism spectrum. Oh, oh, grace, that's gotta be hard. Not keep your kid under control, that's gotta be hard. And all of a sudden, the walls that vulnerability allow us to enter in through, the understanding starts eliciting grace within that. And then the third piece of it, empathy that leads to unity. Empathy is one soul connecting to the emotion and the experience of another. And empathy, when, when the walls start coming down, when understanding starts the, the interaction of grace, empathy is what reunites and leads to unity in that relationship. To, to get into, to understand, to take on the emotions and the experience and to sit with somebody else and to go, this is what you're going through and to empathize with them. It reunites a relationship. And this, it's not just a life story. This is God's story. This is God's gift to us in Jesus. Jesus is the gifted grace of God's favor. Jesus is the model of empathy given to us at Christmas, of God saying, I'm not just gonna stay up here, I'm gonna go in to your human experience, vulnerable as a baby. Can you imagine the difference in being told that we were wrong by God or that, that we were sinners in need of salvation, the conquering king versus the, the humble baby? Whew, the vulnerability of a child that brings down our defensiveness, understanding our situation, and elicits grace and his favor towards us and his empathy that is gifted to us that leads back to unified relationship with him. This was our reading, Ephesians 2. You're saved by God's grace because of your faith. The salvation is God's gift. It's not something that you possessed. It's not like you had it. It was gifted to you. It's not something you did so that you can't be proud of it. It's like, oh, I, have, I got salvation. No, it was gifted to you. That whole idea of self-reliance, but you put up to the fence because we think we just have to do it ourselves. No, 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 no. You couldn't do this yourself. It was a gift. Instead, we are God's accomplishment created in Jesus Christ to do good things. This idea isn't just that we've received God's grace, this gift of favor, his favor towards us, gifted to us in the person of Jesus as seen in Christmas. God's favor is upon you. It's just also a, this idea that we then have the opportunity to fo be forerunners of what God's grace is like to the world. The biblical example of this, I think, is just beautiful because John the Baptist comes and talks, Luke, the Gospel of John, it, the Gospels are, are clear. John came, he was given the name John, he prepared the way for Jesus. Our Gospel reading was John 1. Jesus, the fullness of grace, right? John the Baptist, who, the one who prepares the way for the fullness of grace, is given the name John, which means God is gracious. The one who foreruns the fullness of grace is the one who himself declares that God is gracious. And that is our calling into the world this Christmas, to be forerunners of the gift of Christmas, the grace and favor of God as expressed in Jesus Christ. And we do that 
through being people of grace ourselves. Not a people who know right, we're right, you're wrong, we have, you have not, we're better than, you're less than, that's how the walls go up. But a people who enter into the situations of the world with vulnerability over defensive walls, with understanding that elicits grace, and with empathy that reconnects relationship. Because that's exactly what God did with us. And as we become those agents of grace in the world, it then prepares the way, just like John did for Jesus himself, we become these little Johns, these little signs of God's grace that declare the whole world, his favor is upon you. Jonah didn't like it. He didn't like telling the other people, the Ninevites, the ones who had who'd been mean to them, who had killed them, who had taken them off into slavery. He didn't like the fact that he was going and declaring God's graciousness to them. He accused God of being gracious in that moment. They were other than. They weren't the Jews, they were other than. But our call isn't to be Jonah, to be right, or the chosen ones. Our call is to be John to be the forerunners, to be the ones who model the graciousness of God because we've received it to prepare the way for others to come and experience his grace.